You and I both know that crypto is rapidly becoming the future of finance. You will also probably be aware that investing in crypto can seem a little daunting or even just outright confusing. The real question is, is how do you break down those barriers so that you can confidently invest in crypto in a way which is both profitable and sustainable in the long run? Join me on my journey to helping new crypto investors go from prospects to pros in crypto investment. Whether it's a Bitcoin or Bored Ape, I've got the insider tips and tricks so that you can take those steps towards the financial future that you've always dreamt of. My name's Christopher Hitchin. Welcome to the Easy Crypto Podcast. So on this week's Easy Crypto Podcast, we have an NFT marketer and expert. His name is Arvin Kamse. And he's from Canada and Vancouver, more exactly. And without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Arvin. I'd like you to tell us, how did you get into NFTs? Yeah, so I, uh, I previously was working with a lot of public companies doing their investor relationship marketing and managing 500K plus every month as far as advertising spending. And then I, an artist from Italy, he reached out to me, I want to say October 2021. Um, and he had a very small collection. We sold it out in a week. And that was a proof of concept for me to realize a lot of things I did with public companies, finding short-term and long-term investors online that was transferable uh, to the NFT community as well. Um, and then since then, I worked with um, over 400 NFT projects, lots of them sold out. We've got several of them sold out in six, seven minutes. Some of them sold out in 20 hours, a few hours, so on and so forth as well. Wow. So what has been one of your big challenges related to NFT marketing? Honestly, the biggest challenge is really not even NFT related. It's actually the challenge that I have with social media platforms where they change their rules and regulations around NFT. So it's not the NFT itself um, and the NFT market itself, but so much so uh, where the you know big tech companies like, well, just the big tech companies, I'm not going to name, uh, but they change. I, I can name them for you. I mean, Facebook yeah. for one. Yeah. I, I know exactly where you're coming from on this. Obviously, with us having mine easy, which yeah. is crypto mining. Crypto per se is banned from uh, advertising on Facebook and Google. I mean, quite quite rightly so in some aspects because, you know, you've got, unfortunately, got a lot of scammers. But the problem is with like the likes of me and you that want to do it genuine, it actually makes our life 10 times harder. 100%. And, and actually, I remember, so I have this program where I, you know, show people how to use uh, Instagram ads uh, for example, to get new Discord members for you know somewhere around like 50 cents to a dollar. And then I remember back in November, I shot all these videos um, after you know figured out it was it was a strategy that was working for several projects. This was a beginning of November. And then mid-November, Facebook decided to just remove the targeting options that we were using in that strategy. So then literally everything I did just became obsolete. Um, in two weeks. And then, so then we had to like come up with a new strategy and like my discord was a mess. Like everyone was just saying like, 
why is why is there no and i i tell you so i told you what the exact targeting options were so then your audience can actually if they wanted to like look it up but it was um cryptocurrency bitcoin and ethereum those were some of the targeting options we, we had to find people who could be relevant um, as far as be, being an nft collector and then so we used to have that in the video and then it just became outdated in literally two weeks. So I believe Facebook and Instagram, they opened up their rules and regulations for running NFT ads in, I want to say October. And then November, they just went through a significant change, changed everything they had. So it's like for people who, who work with a volume of projects, it's actually a really difficult thing when we don't have any heads up or any, there's no indication that they're going to make changes and then we'll just find out by you know waking up one day and just be like wow everything is now different and same thing happened with twitter as well like i had um, a team at twitter so i have an agency partnership with them and the person i had at twitter he was so he would tell us that also was like super weird again these are like non-nft related problems but they actually are really big problems in the NFT community. So um, this guy at Twitter, he would just tell us, be like, hey, we will um, approve your ad accounts. And then and then just like after a month later, every day we're just like following up with him. And then we found out like he's quitting his job and he didn't even like submit our ad accounts for approvals. Um, and so like he didn't even do it at all. And so we had to do it from scratch. So point is, there's a lot of uh, things in the back end of advertising that's actually a lot harder than the advertising itself. Like promoting your project is not actually that difficult. Like I, I can show to people in like a few hours, like they can understand it really well. And actually, like when I talk to people, like even 10, 10 15 minutes, I can give them the exact strategy that would work for them. But the, the back end of things and rules and regulations, how that's changing, those are the biggest, really the biggest challenges. And it just needs a lot of emotional resiliency to just not take it personally and just keep going and just find a solution. So how do you go about briefly NFT marketing and getting around, you know, the likes of the Facebooks and the Googles? Yeah, so if... Your listeners go in and find any other content I have, like from the even two months ago and before that, it's all different to what I'm about to tell you guys today. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is, so the point is NFT marketing is changing. You know, I have a running joke with people in my discord. If, if I take a day off in, you know, in the NFT world, I'm going to be behind by like eight years. Um, and it's just going so fast. Everything is happening so fast that you need to be adaptable. So it's not so much of like someone coming in and say, Hey, like I know everything in this industry because things changing. So knowing everything today could mean nothing tomorrow. So with that context, what's working right now is actually focusing on qualifying people before adding them as a community, uh, as a community member. So just so people have a comparison side by side. In the past, we used to build huge Discord communities 
um, and then have about 30% of those people um, mint out the project. So we, I would tell people say, hey, um, whatever the size of your collection is, have three to five times more people than the size of your collection. So let's say if it's like 10,000 collection size, you would have 30 to 50,000 uh, people minimum um, on, your, uh, on your Discord. So that was the strategy in the past. So you would essentially have like everyone who would be interested to joining your Discord um, and you would have them all and engage them all. And people didn't join like, you know, 20, 30 different servers at a time. Back in the day, there weren't as many projects. Uh, but right now there are 500 new projects coming out every day. So you can't do that anymore. So what we do right now is we qualify people a lot before adding them to Discord, before um, having them join our uh, Twitter as a follower, before them becoming part of our whitelist community or waitlist or interest list. And for those of people who um, these terms are new to them, so whitelist is essentially a person who has their wallet address added to the smart contract of the NFT project to be pre-approved to buy the NFT, whatever the NFT is, at an earlier date, usually. So that's what whitelisting is. Now, um, people who are whitelisting, they're essentially showing their um, huge interest in actually buying the NFT. And to some extent, they're committing to actually buy it. Um, and so that's what whitelist is. And then interest list, you can think of whitelist, but maybe a step up below it. So there's someone who who've done a bunch of things to show that they're interested in the project. We call that interest list. And then when they qualify themselves, and I can tell you what kind of requirements we usually have, um, they qualify themselves, they become a uh, whitelister. And then if you have too many whitelisters, then they're going to be part of a what's called a waitlist. Um, and so the purpose behind qualifying people and creating what's called a waitlist is because you're trying to have more demand than there is supply for your project. And that's what we call also a hype. Um, now, people confuse that term by just going and faking it, just telling people, be like, oh, this is going to go so fast. Everyone's going to buy this, <laughs> like no one buying. But like they just go fake it. That's not what we're talking about, right? So you actually have real people that have, and there's so much demand for your project that you actually have to put people in a, uh, in a wait list. That's when you have created hype. So the previous strategy in the past, we used to just build a huge community and a percentage of those people would just buy the NFT. That's, there was a lot of uncertainty um, and also a lot of things were different as far as the mindset of the NFT community, how many people were newbies, how many people were, um, you know, vets. Um, and so, but now what we do, we qualify people um, with lots of different ways um, and then get commitment from them by sometimes even buying things from us before they can even buy the NFT. So that's the new strategy. The new strategy involves qualifying people before adding them to the community. And then you will have, um, by default, you will have the smaller communities, but a lot more committed, um, a lot more enthusiastic about your project. And it also gives the founders of the NFT project a lot more certainty that the project is going to sell out. I see. So just taking a step back from that, 
Mm-hmm. So to get them on your list or a list or into your Discord, obviously, we're gonna, once you get them in there, you you you, 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 you vet them. How do you get them? How do you pull them out of the pond, so to speak, to say, you know, create that hook to say, hey, this is my NFT project and this is yeah. where you want to be involved? Yeah, that's a great question because because there's so many NFT projects, if you just say the same thing and just say, hey, join my Discord, that doesn't work. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why should I join your Discord? And if your answer to that question is just because, so you're part of my project, that's not good enough. Um, so that's it's a very important thing to think about, to figure out what differentiates your brand uh, to other brands. And then also, what are some utilities that you have that other brands don't have it? And you actually being able to simply and clearly communicate it. So like a six-year-old would understand what they're going to get by just having your NFT. Like that is very important. So that's the hook. That's what actually captures people's attention online. Now, the medium that we use for that is, I would say 90% of the time is just Twitter ads um, and um, and then also the endorsement from, from influencers. Now, it could be influencers in the NFT community, but it could also just be large influencers that known to everyone. And if they talk about a specific project, essentially they endorse it. That's a, that's a, very, that's a very actually essential component um, of a project uh, selling out because you can't just talk about your project all the time. Someone else has to do it too. I see. I see. So basically potentially using an influencer and this right. is something that you could help, help our listeners if they came to you and said, look, I want to create this NFT. It's got this utility, but I don't know where to start. hundred percent. Yeah. And even for influencers, um, I think a lot of people, you know, they've been scammed by influencers or at least they think they've been scammed by influencers. Um, I did a Twitter space. If people go on my Twitter Arvin K NFT, um, they can just uh, listen to it. It's an hour. Literally, I talked about a lot of things that's important as far as reaching out to influencers so they reply to you because that's like a big one of the biggest problems people have in this community is like they reach out to NFT influencers, but they never get a response. Um, and also like how to pay them, um, when to pay them how to do pre-production, post-production, how to actually get results with influencers, all those things. I kind of touched um, on all of those components on a Twitter space. Again, that's um, at Arvin K NFT. So they can go, um, you know, uh, listen, listen uh, we'll to that, that tune. We'll, we'll put yeah. that in the notes. Yeah, for sure. And then, so there's that. But then other than that, it's just that it's important who you pick as an influencer, obviously. So it's not some, it's some, it's someone who actually has an influence, right? So if someone um, who is just com- like promoting giveaways on a daily basis, then that's not really the type of influence that we're talking about here. So that's one component. And then the other side of it is the, is the paid ads. Um, and then when it comes to paid ads, what's important is like your ads is very clear. You don't have, you don't have a paragraph or you don't have like, you know, pages of, I guess, text to show to people. It's, it's, it's maybe 600 characters, 800 characters, if, you know, at all, like, uh, you, you can, you can get, get across. And typically we don't even put that many. We typically use like 50 to hundred characters. Um, and then, cause that's, that performs best. 
Um, and then what we'll do in the ad, we just show it, show a video. So anything that we can, because there's a character limit. So anything that we can't do, um, then in, in the actual ad, we'll just get it across using video. Uh, so the point is you need to have a hook on the ads that's good enough for um, the NFT collector audience to look at it and just be like, okay, I get it that this art is cool. I like the, the look of it. Um, I like the utilities. Um, and I, I, I'm interested in what they're incentivizing me to do, meaning like join my join the interest list, whitelist, waitlist, whatever that is. Um, and so that's the essentially in simple terms how that's being done. Now, obviously people need to get approval uh, to run NFT ads. Most people, you know, when they do ads on their own, they find out that the ads are halted. Um, and that's just because they don't have a license uh, to run NFT ads and something obviously I can help people with. But the point is um, the there's the ads component and there's also um, an influencer component. And together um, you can build communities of qualified um, members and these qualified members already told you essentially by their actions that they're going to buy your NFTs and then, and then they will. So typically what would you be spending on an ads per day? What would you be paying for a particular, you know, for some, for someone to come in and, and register on your list? Perfect. So currently, and again, this, this, this can change. Like for example, on Instagram back in November, we used to pay 50 cents to a dollar to get a person joining our discord, but that's no longer the case. Like right now, if someone tries it, it's going to be somewhere around $2, $3, if not more. Yeah. Um, and so, so that has changed. Obviously just everyone's now doing it, uh, but uh, currently the strategy we're using with Twitter ads, we're paying anywhere from 50 cents to $3 for a person for a highly, highly, highly qualified person to follow us on Twitter, join Discord, become part of the whitelist, waitlist, and interest list, like all of the above at the same time. Wow. Um, and, yeah. And so, and it's also the cool part also is that initially you pay somewhere closer to $3. The more you do it, the, the cost actually goes down. So initially you pay somewhere around $3 for that person to join all of those all of those communities that you have. And then later on, uh, you pay somewhere closer to 50 cents for new people coming in. It's just because as you do this, um, more people find out about your project. So organically, what we call the earned media, organically people find your project as a function of your project essentially going viral. Um, and then you don't pay for those people who just found you organically, obviously. And so that's why the cost goes down. So typically, if we had a project of NFTs and we said, right, we've got, say for instance, we've got a thousand NFTs to sell. Yeah. And let's just take a, an arbitrary price of each NFT is, say for instance, a thousand. Like, say for yep. instance, on our, our, our Mine Easy NFTs, we, we, uh, we're working on a project where we basically uh, sell a portion of the rig so that you can earn cryptocurrency at a lower entry price than buying a full rig of say 15,000. Yep. So for instance, we've got a thousand, got a thousand NFTs at a thousand. What sort of budget would, and we're starting from scratch. We're saying, Hey, we've got, we've got no followers. 
uh, as a lot of people who are coming into the NFT space tend to not have the followers because some are coming from a you know an art background, very good at art, but not very good at the tech side, and the marketing. What sort of budget would you be say throwing at, at that on a Twitter budget if they came to you? Yeah, so in the past, it used to be, it used to because we didn't have this current strategy that I just talked about. Um, so we had to just get people individually join Twitter, join Discord, waitlist, wireless, all of those things were like separated processes. So we would obviously have to pay more. So mm-hmm. in the past, it used to be for a 10,000 collection size, we would pay somewhere around in total, the marketing is spending, including influencers, it would be somewhere around 50K. And then now that has gone down because, you know, you can, with, like I said, with 50 cents to $3, you can get grab new members. But um, I, uh, it's one of those things is like, by the time I'm trying to calculate one thing, it's like that time has passed and then things change again. So currently I would say, I would say it's clo- if for a 10,000 collection size, I would say closer to like 35, um, 40. It's definitely lower, but influencers cost has gone up. So paid ads, we've obviously optimized it significantly, but influencers price has gone up. Like someone specifically I'm thinking right now, I paid her um, 4.5K in December. Right now she's 10K. Um, so, thank so, you for a shout out. So, for a shout out. And, and with the influencer ways, just you know, for our, our newbies on the, uh, on the podcast, the way it works is you're paying a set fee rather than, for instance, paying upon success. Yeah. That's, that's expensive, isn't it? Yeah. And, and actually, there, I mean, there are, there are influences I have access to that they would charge you a million dollars for a post. But, wow. They, uh, but that doesn't like, we actually like someone in my community against what I advised him to do. He paid this Instagram. Um, I don't think he's even an influencer at all, but he paid this quote unquote Instagram influencer, um, hundred K for one post. And it's actually in a, in my discord, the results of it, he got four new discord members. Oh my Um, God. Yeah. That takes, so, that takes me back to, um, I can tell you a funny story, actually, because <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, I've, I've been in business now. What have I been in business? Since 2005. So yeah. um, when I first started out in 2005, we set up a real estate agency. Yeah. And the, this sales guy said to us, to be the best estate agency in Yorkshire, you need an advertisement in the yellow pages. You need yeah. one in every single book in every single town. And he said, if you do that, then you will become the market leader overnight. So I, my background's of investment banking. And uh, we, we uh, the guy said it cost us 72K. So we spent 72K of our hard-earned money. And back said, in that, that time, huh? Yeah, back in that time. That's that's, that's that's good amount of money for advertising. It, it is. Yeah. And but there is a moral to this story. So I said to my wife at the time, and I was really excited. I said, Shell, I think we're going to need more telephone lines. And she goes, what do you mean? I says, well, he says, we're going to become market leader overnight. And bear in mind, I'd, you know, worked for Deutsche Bank and, I'd, you know, it was always other people's money. And 
this was our money this time. And, you know, when you first set up in business, it's not quite as easy as, uh, as, as what you think. And literally from that ad, I got one phone call. <laughs> I got one phone call and I said to, <laughs> said to my wife at the time, I said, I can't believe this. I just can't believe this. I said, we've been absolutely effing screwed. Yeah. I said, right, from now on, I said, I'm going to screw every effing marketer and salesman that comes through my door telling me that I'm going to get these crazy results. So we, we uh, to cut a long story short, we then basically worked out that we could place a billboard advertisement uh, in the train station, which leads to train station gets over 100,000 people in a day um, for six grand a week. But we worked out that from a health and safety point of view, that if the shop be below the billboard was open, that they couldn't change the billboard. So this shop went 24-7. So just before this shop went 24-7, because it, it advertised it was going to go 24-7, I uh, placed an ad above their shop, a big billboard for six grand a week, and then just did it just for one week. <laughs> and it, it stayed up for seven years before that shop shut. And I always used to get everyone to meet uh, all my clients. I always used to say, you can meet me at my billboard and always ask, always ask your competitors. Always ask my competitors if they've got a billboard. <laughs> and everyone always used to think, how the hell has he done that? Because he has so much he... money. He's paying every week for so many years. Yeah. That's so crazy. I did learn. I learned that, you know, in, in marketing, you, you've got to be savvy. You've got to be. You've got to know your return on investment. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I do say, um, you know, like people ask me sometimes, they're like, "Can you guarantee we sell out?" And I'm like, "No, I cannot guarantee you sell out." Um, and and so, I mean, to 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 say like, you know, some there's some strategy or something that's like, actually, like I had someone got really mad at me, some influencer um, on a Twitter space. Some people may know if they're listening to this, if they were on that, like it was like a, I think 200 people or so on that Twitter space. They, this guy got really mad at me because he was asking, he's like, just, just tell you all your collection, uh, connections that we're going to do, have this project and we pay you just for your connections. Uh, so we sell out. And I'm like, what do you think I can do? Like, what do you think my connections do? <laughs> like, well, like, I don't have like that kind of connections that you would think that is just the random we go sell out collection. So I think sometimes also people, um, part of it is like people expecting things because they want to believe that's true. Like they, they don't want to do the work. So they're like, I just want to find someone who can just like magically make things happen. And I'm willing to pay that person. And then they do that. They've, and there's always like, if you look for that kind of person, you always find that kind of person too um surprisingly and someone's gonna say yeah i can totally do that um and then um and then you know that person comes in and obviously doesn't deliver and then and it's just like leaves people with a bad impression of um, marketers and like influencers in general like starting from that time and you, you have no idea how many so i get probably 50 messages a day from new projects just across my uh, different platforms i'm part of um and then Probably I would say 50% of them start by just saying, 
we've been scammed so many times by influencers. We're just now like we now want to find a someone who can just tell us what to do so we don't like waste money and time. Um, and so like all those occurrences that these guys had with scammers or at least they thinking they got a scam, that's just going to leave them with a really bad impression of influences in general. So they're going to think like every influence is a scammer, uh, which sucks, but the, or every marketer, you know, and so, but at the same time, it's just, it does scar you. What's that? Scammed. It, do, it does scar you. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is I, I mean, one of the reasons we set up this podcast is, is to, to, you know, meet and talk to people like, like you because our uh, job is made a lot harder by these people that promise the earth and then deliver nothing. It also gives, unfortunately, it does give us a bad name. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously, we, you know, within crypto, there is this element of people think it's a scam, blah, blah, blah. But there's scammers in every walks of life, you know, exactly. whether, whether it be estate agents, you know, whether it be average companies, it, it, it happens. It's just obviously for the media, it's, it's more headline grab, grabbing to say, something's happened in in you know with with crypto and nfts or with you know a uh, particular scamming in, in crypto yeah then it is to say local joe soap's been done by the local shop 100 percent. plus i would say even i don't know this to be a to be the fa- a fact but it's possible some of these media companies they're actually preferring centralized universe um not a decentralized one so if if there's an opportunity to say hey like crypto's not good or they're scammy they would just use that opportunity um and so it's just the people's opinions right so like people have self-interest on everything they do and then um it's really interesting you see like sometimes people like i i had the there was this podcast that he um he was telling me about it's like even whales in the nft community they think nfts are a scam i'm like i don't think so like i don't know who you're talking to like I, I, you know, like I have, I, I know many, many projects that um, now it's been almost like a year or so that they're still with their community. They're still delivering. They haven't got anywhere. Um, and so not everyone, you know, to, to your point, not everyone is obviously a scam, but, you know, obviously in we're we're now getting into a decentralized world in the Web3 world and we got to take control ourselves. Versus someone else tells us, hey, this is good for you. This is not good for you. We got to actually learn. Like I've been hacked a bunch of times myself. Like actually my Twitter was down for a week. I got it back yesterday. Um, I got hacked. And, you know, as, as that was happening, I was just so worried. Like someone could, like that person could just literally go through my messages, impersonate me. But uh, the thing is like, we just got to learn to do better. Like not get hacked. You know, so it's I, not. I, I think yeah. it is all about education. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think if people are more educated, then one, the industry will effectively get a better name over a period of time. Right. I was actually on a conference uh, yesterday and it was with a rather large national solicitor hmm. uh, in the UK. And the first thing they did when they came on, and it was to talk about crypto, was to talk about how bad crypto is from a point of view of how much electricity it uses. Mm. Now, obviously with us being uh, crypto miners, we know obviously a lot more about 
the ins and outs of electric and the usage and that a lot of electric usage is wasted. And the fact is, is basically the banks use far more electric than the crypto miners do, but obviously it's not something that is, is focused on. And also the crypto miners, especially now we've seen a, a shift towards the US, they're, they're, they're using green energy. I mean, we use green energy. We, we actually generate our electric off a farm in, in Wales, and it's 100% green. And uh, wow. it's from uh, waste products of the farm. Hmm. And th the farm was already generating this electric, already had this electric, and they're selling back to the grid, but the grid doesn't buy all the electric. So what hmm. happens in that instance, that electric effectively just gets wasted because it doesn't get used. Oh, wow. So what, what we did is come along and said, right, we'll, we'll team up with this farm and we'll buy the electric that you don't use. And obviously oh, wow. we're getting electric at a good price. And at the same time, we're actually contributing to the local farm because obviously wow. we're paying them. But it, it is interesting because it's a big national solicitor. And obviously I'm not, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to name and shame, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I was just totally aghast. I'm like, if you only just knew just how much investment is going in, because obviously in the US, what we're seeing with the US on the electric side is because is, you have all the crypto uh, infrastructure investment, the power stations are now saying, well, look, we've got hydroelectric. Normally what happens with hydroelectric, a lot of it is wasted if it's not used. They're invested in battery technology so that they can store the electric. Now, the only reason they can invest in the battery technology is because the crypto miners have come along and said, look, we will guarantee that we need so much electric. So it is, I mean, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but it is, it is a case of it's all about painting the picture of our industry and obviously painting yeah. the picture of- No, it's actually a really good point because I think, I think what's sometimes missing is just, for example, Google and I mean, a lot of other platforms too, they they actually prioritize information based on their own liking um so people get a really distorted image of things um and then um and so things that we we just talked about like you know what's actually happening in the in the back end of this whole like nft community the, the mining community like those are the things that people don't know and then it's almost like some people will never know about those things because the media is just so strong on, on just showing a specific point of view. Um, and so, um, you know, but I mean, obviously we, you know, a lot of people in this community also have a lot of reach and we, you know, we, we're all doing our part to actually make it happen and just get people educated um, on this. Um, and it is true though. Like it's just things that are like a lot of good things are actually happening because I mean, people were just talking, you know, negatively about NFTs, like with the Ukraine and Russia, like that's like NFTs was like what they, I don't know if they actually ended up using it or not, but they, that's what they intended to use because it was just so safe. And so they, or like, you know, cryptocurrency or like just having um, cryptos, like actually within an NFT, um, things like that. They actually have a lot of uses. There's one, one podcast I went on the other day, I, I, I think I talked about 13 different uses of NFTs that people don't even think about. Like people sometimes think about is like, okay, some expensive JPEGs you buy and sell. If you're like really cool, then you just, you know, benefit from it. And maybe you can, you know, you can uh, dump and pump it and just 
um, get a ton of money, put it in your pocket. But like, that's all they know about. They don't know, okay, for example, um, with NFTs, like author can have hidden chapters of their books that are coming only, that are only available to, let's say, their, um, their NFT holders. Like there's so many use cases for NFTs, not even just like monetary values, but like actual solving real life problems. And when people talk about like NFTs in, in a specific way, I think sometimes they're just missing all that information. They just don't know. They don't know there's actually more to it. No, this is true. And again, it comes back to the education. I mean, it, it is... Um... There's so much good going on in the crypto community, both with NFTs and just crypto in general. I mean, the the, the donations to Ukraine now have, have actually reached over 100 million um, wow. in, in crypto. And there's people that have been donating that couldn't ordinarily donate. You know, in the Philippines, as an example, there's a high percentage of people that don't actually have a bank account. The uh, average wage in the Philippines, as an example, is $250 a month. Oh my God. Yeah. And what's happened there is, is there's been an explosion in use of crypto uh, for good and potentially, you know, just as an example, one of them is A P2E, Axie Infinity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Axie Infinity has over, I believe it's over 2 million uh, users in, in the Philippines. Oh, wow. And at the height of, of their play to earn, they were earning a thousand dollars a month. And this is wow. life, life changing amounts for them. Wow. Yeah. And you think this is really positive. I mean, I personally think that crypto is going to make more millionaires under the age of 18 than any other asset class or any other job class. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a hell of a lot of positive and it is all, all about speaking to people about it, you know, about, you know, like yourself, helping people getting on, on the NFT journey because they come up with these really bright ideas. Some of them, you know, game changers. And obviously yeah. the NFTs, obviously we originally on obviously everyone was saying, oh, they're just a JPEG. Well, they're not. There's, there's so much more to it. And especially when you get these people that are very innovative in what they're doing, I add in utility. I mean, personally, I think your driving license, I think the driving license in five years time will be an NFT. Mm. I think uh, your title deeds on your house will be an NFT. There's so many use cases. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Um, and even like, I think in the fashion industry, for example, like there's just authentication is really big deal. And even the largest fashion distributor, um, in, uh, there's one in New York. They've been caught a bunch of times selling, you know, high-end luxury goods that were not authentic. And sometimes at some point, they don't know themselves. Like the, they have someone in charge of uh, passing these through. And that person doesn't have to like know, you know, what's authentic, what's not. So things get through and, you know, people buy like a, I don't know, let's say Gucci, like, or like, let's say Prada bag for like a few thousand bucks. And then when in fact, it's just like a fake one that you could just buy maybe a hundred bucks. Um, so NFTs could solve that. Like you would actually have, just like your Rolex, you have a, you have a, like a serial number and you have a documents with it. Like 
with NFTs, you could you could be able to authenticate things like where who made it, um, who owns it, all of those. Um, and and the the one use case that I really like with NFTs is because I I just really like artists. Um, the use case where the stereotypical um, starving artist is now able to make millions of dollars. Um, so that's that's to me that's also really cool. So like just same same accessibility for like average person who can become a millionaire or who can who can um, earn more money, like you were talking about in Philippines, for example, it's with artists too. Like now they can actually bring more art to our society just because they're not afraid of like starving. It's, That's cool. It's funny you should say that because obviously you've got the royalties aspect. Right. Where obviously you can, when you buy one NFT and you sell it on, then the original artist can get the royalties, which is fantastic. I was actually speaking to a girl in, um, in a, a coffee shop in Leeds the other day. And she, she was, she was a bit sad. And I said to her, why, why are you sad? She goes, I'm in this dead end job, you know, serving coffee. And I said, what, what is your dream? And she was from Italy. And uh, she said, well, my dream is to do, to, to paint. And mm. she showed me some of her paintings. And I said, oh my God, these are amazing. I said, you need mm. to get these on as NFTs. Mm. So we're helping her out. We're, I've said to her, I said, look, we'll, cool. we'll help you out. We'll show you how to get these NFTs on the web and how to sell them and get you out of your job. Because I was just looking, I just, I said, you're so wasted. I said, I can't believe you're so talented. And there's such an, an, a massive opportunity there for her. Cause I think she'll do so, so, so well, uh, because she's, she's got the skills on the art side. It's just obviously technical know-how yeah. of, of doing the NFTs. Prime example of, you know, ordinary person, so to speak, and how NFTs can actually uh, transform someone's life really yeah honestly that's yeah it's really important and i i i wholeheartedly think like those are people can make our life a lot brighter um and by just just doing what they love to do they're just gonna be a better citizen they're gonna be a better contributor to their society they're actually gonna feel better they're gonna con- when they talk to you know, talk to you, they're not going to be sad that these are all connected things in the universe of things. So um, it just makes, makes everyone's life quality way better. And it all starts from, you know, a, an artist knowing that, Hey, they can have an art um, and they can go and sell it out. Like that's so um, empowering for them. And also like off that topic of, uh, you know, people just understanding things and not having a distorted image. I just recently was on a Twitter space. Someone was just saying like, you know, tw- uh, Twitter ads, for example, are only for projects that they, um, they're going to scam people or they're going to be a rock pool. And it's crazy thing. It's just like saying like billboards are only, only for like realtors that they can't like sell. Like, <laughs> like that makes no sense. But um, the, the, unfortunately, like a lot of people who are coming into the NFT community, they're, they don't have any business experience at all, none. Um, and when they come in, they, they just, any information they get from people on, a lot of times actually on a Twitter space, they think is true. Um, and so 
so there's definitely that too like where people think there's there's this percentage of people thinking if they run twitter ads or if they do any advertising then especially twitter ads then that means that project is it's like a red flag that means that project is not a good project because they need to do advertising it's like wait so if you just have the coolest art but no one knows about it how on earth are you going to sell it out um and then it's this concept that it's actually true for a lot of newbie business owners too where they they think if they have the coolest product or the coolest service everyone's going to find them organically it's just not happening like some people are like some people just found out you know maybe they 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 just uh go um you know uh i guess go viral on the internet but majority of people don't um and so if they don't actually do the work and actually advertise themselves no one's going to know about them and it's not like it's not it's not a point of like advertising is evil or not it's just more of a like okay you have something that more most of the people don't know about if they knew maybe you would have a different life like that um and so it's really important to just get get the get it like a very wholesome view on things as well absolutely i mean what i would say is, is i do see this a lot in you know being an entrepreneur and, and and having a number of businesses what tends to be the weakest link in a lot of people's businesses is marketing right and and obviously it's it's, it's people like the, you that can actually make a big difference with that and what i want to do is just in get some inspiration for our audience and just talk about what, what's your one big success in NFTs. Tell us about that. Big, uh, biggest success. Yeah. Um, I would say, okay. Biggest success. I mean, I've, uh, I've had a lot of projects that sold out and, um, one in particular, we had so much volume that it hit, number one trending on IC tools, number one trending um, on OpenSea. So that was like really cool. Um, and then, and thankfully they're still, they're still actually delivering on their promises. They're still out there building the community. Um, I think that was, that was a really big, big success. Obviously just the founders and the team too, like they weren't, um, they, they called, the, the quality of their life actually changed significantly. Which is really cool. Like you know, they made a lot of. They made. So what did? I think, what but, did that turn over then? Yeah, I think they made somewhere around. So, um, so they went from zero uh, members to about eighty thousand people on Discord. This is a little bit early on when back in the day when we did a lot of like large discords. But they they went from zero to eighty thousand, about eighty thousand. I think it was more like seventy two thousand, but about eighty thousand. Um, in about uh, six weeks, um, and then which is awesome, um, and then they, I believe they sold somewhere around five, six mil. So that was awesome too. Um, and then they uh, they didn't get hacked and they didn't lose their money because some of these like latest later projects I worked with they they literally lost like almost like a million dollar in like minutes just because of like the contract was compromised and so on and so forth. But um, so that was cool. Like they, they didn't, they did get hacked. The discord got hacked, but they, their, the money stayed where it was supposed to. So that was really cool. And then the, I believe their, uh, their floor price 
went down for some time. It's now going up again. So that's nice. Nice to see that it's going up as well. Yeah, that's that's so I would say that's one of the it's one of the coolest projects. I am actually working on my own NFT collection. So I uh I say it's gonna be the better one, but but we'll see. That's interesting, is that I mean that that's life-changing amount size. Yeah. And bear in mind it's like you've just come into this industry, been in it now in NFT it's about six months now, six months. I would say since so that's uh November, I would say October 2021. So you've <laughs> transferred your marketing skills from traditional kind of marketing web to web to yeah into nfts and you've been in it six months and you've had a project that's turned over five mil that is absolutely amazing that is yeah i would say like um i wasn't like i was actually buying selling nfts beginning of 2021 so but but yeah the first marketing that i did was just with that italian dude i, I want to say october 2021 and i think the reason i think i did um well was because um i was already doing a lot of things in the investor relationship marketing which is very similar like people just so someone who doesn't know about this like if you were to go as a public company and actually raise money you would have this investor deck the investor deck the the, the organization of the content of that it's, it looks exactly like a NFT project website. So it has something uh, about the team, the product, the problem, solution, the predictions, the, um, the track record, the, you know, the things that they're going to do, what we call the roadmap. Like literally, it's very similar. It's very similar. So I think that actually helped me tremendously because well, a lot of the knowledge that I gained in that actually was transferable. I see. So what I just briefly outline the key stages, which you almost have just done there uh, for your NFT projects. Key stages? Yeah, the key stages. Yeah, so first, I would say first stage is getting a ton of people into your whitelist. Yep. Weirdly enough, that used to be like the last stage, but now this is the first one. Um, and then as you're doing that, this is kind of like a lot of things happen at the same time as you're doing that, create the hype that you need for your project as well. Um, and then, so building community is really what it is, but specifically whitelisters. White um, and then the second, the second step is um, about five, six days before your private sale um, to remarket to everyone in that community that you build and also some new people too. Just let them know, hey, We've done all of this work. Now the time is going to come in five, six days. Um, and then the last part is really like what you're doing um, on the mint uh, day. So how you're incentivizing people to, to quickly buy it. Um, and, you know, past that, obviously, post-mint, there's a lot of things to do to raise floor price, so on and so forth. But those are the biggest things, like build a qualified community um, and then essentially remind them and in, will engage them and remind them uh, to buy and to deliver, you know, on what they said they were they're gonna do. Um, and then also just the last, lastly, is a, a like reassuring um, like your team and yourself of like everything is gonna be smooth through that mint day because 
a lot of things could happen. You know, your website could get hacked, the script could get hacked, um, the website could go down, minting process could not work, contract could not work. Uh, there's many, many things that could go wrong. And so just that, if you have a good grasp of like what it takes for a project to sell out on that day, um, then those three, I would say, those are the biggest, most important stages. Do you have any tips on um, preventing from getting hacked? Uh, on which which platform, Discord or Twitter, or which one? Discord and Twitter. I've been obviously okay. So experienced the issue yeah, yeah. So on Discord, there are actually companies where they help with things. Like so, like there are actually companies that audit your processes and your contract. I would encourage people to actually find those people and actually get help. It's not. It's not worth it to lose like a million dollar after, you know, two hours, three hours into your mint. Um, and that's just your money, people's money. Um, sometimes you've promised people to give them money. So that's just a lot of, it's just, it has a lot of consequences that you don't want. So it's, it's worth it. It's worth it to just find someone who, who knows these things and get help from them to audit it for you. Like someone who actually full time does this. But some of the things that, I mean, some really simple things people can do, just obviously don't give access to people in, in your community, like even your mods or different different roles that they have, don't give them more access than they need. Like that's very simple, but um, that's actually a big deal. And then also another thing is Discord doesn't really have a support system. So if you accidentally, this has happened to a bunch of projects I worked with, um, if you accidentally get your own user hacked or you somehow uh, lose it, lose your account, which also happens more regularly than people may envision that, then your entire Discord is like with, uh, essentially you have to discard your entire Discord. So that's, so that's that could be a part of, uh, I guess, getting part of a process of getting hacked, but it's all, it could also just be, you just lose your, your own user uh, on Discord. So, so obviously best thing to do is just have another user as well. That's also part of the, the Discord. And it's also has like same access to exactly the same account that you're an admin of. So that gotcha. way, if something, something happens, you just, you just have a backup mm. and not giving that to someone else. Cause um, I think that brings me to the Twitter stuff. The way I got hacked was social engineering. So I didn't actually get hacked myself. My assistant did. Um, and, you know, if someone I've seen, I've actually on Twitter, if people want to look, I've on Twitter, I've seen like really like elaborate hacks that, you know, took like four months. Like people would just like pretend to be an employee of a company for like three, four months. They have they have outsourced like other people to deliver their work. So they actually look like a legit employee just for the purpose of hacking this, like hacking someone's wallet. And there's literally like a Twitter thread. Someone was just describing like every single thing that happened to him. He didn't get hacked, fortunately, but I've, um, the way I got hacked was just like, we didn't have a two, um, what do they call them? Two factor authentication. So do you definitely want to have that same thing for your wallet too? So one of the projects I worked with, the, the way they got hacked, they just didn't have a multi-sig wallet. So 
what happened was the developer, one of the developers, he decided he wanted to hack them. And so like, he just took so all the money that came to this, uh, to this specific wallet, he just rerouted it to his own. Um, and there was like, we had zero access to him. So, Oh my God. Yeah. And so, so things like that, right? So I've, I've, I've had also like some of the early on, um, some projects I worked with, the, the developers would create the website, they put it on their own server. And then after the sellout, they'd be like, oh, these guys made so much money, only paid us like a few thousand dollars. And they're like, well, we own your website now. So if you want it, give us more money. If not, we'll take it. Um, and so things like that happens, right? So it's like, it's important to trust developers that you're working with just get recommendations but yeah so just multi-sig is always uh, a great option it's i actually worked in like some large public public company that in the in the cybersecurity uh, in zero trust specifically um it sucks that we're actually going that direction where this i mean Years ago, let's say like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we didn't have to do all these like authentications, like multiple ways of authenticating mm. ourselves. But we're going the direction that it's just going to be like so many more. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be like to the point where like, I don't know, you have to just put your fingerprint and like, uh, I don't know, laser your eye and like, uh, then have ever, like. Have you ever done a trans- transaction on Binance? Oh my uh, God. Yeah. 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 I have. Authenticator. Send, yeah. send a a code to your, your phone, <laughs> yeah. log in and get a code from your email. Yeah. And by the time you've done that, it's all timed out and you've got to start again. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's hard work. You're like, I only want to send a hundred dollars to someone. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. It's actually hilarious. But I would say though, like I did lo- lose like hundred K once and I actually watched this guy literally was just transferring my NFTs out of my wallet. How do I just, uh, not like if i had the two-factor authentication that wouldn't have happened like he wouldn't have access to my phone so um as in knowing as it is it's actually really helpful uh, to have like multiple multiple ways of like authenticating because um it's harder it's it makes it harder and also like the passwords that you pick too like you definitely want to have like things like you know the asterisks slash things like that in and um, parentheses like in your in your um password called? in your password and then yeah don't like put it in a you know, don't write it on a piece of paper and just like you know have it on your desk <laughs> that makes no sense and so there's certain things like that because when when projects go big social engineering is the way they get hacked most of the time it's not like it's not a it's not a strategy like it's uh, that like, or it's not like a, something that they click on randomly. It's more like very orchestrated, elaborate, complicated social engineering processes or like someone in the team just does something stupid and then that's how they get hacked. So like, those are obviously very important things as well. It is. I mean, hacking ha- happens in all walks of life. And I, I, we were, this is going back a while back, we were hacked. Uh, when we had this state agency and we had a team out in the Philippines doing the admin and someone opened an email and an attachment and literally encrypted uh, all the files on the server. Fortunately, we did have a backup and fortunately we, um, we actually picked it up by Dropbox, 
Dropbox replication because they were encrypting all the files and and we were getting notifications from Dropbox. So literally, at the time I was on holiday, I said to my sister who worked for me, I said, just pull out every plug in the server room. I said, and we'll, we'll sort it and we'll restore it. And they wanted, they wanted funnily enough, it was actually Bitcoin as well. Uh, that mm. they wanted 400,000 in Bitcoin. And we said, stuff you, you're not having it. You're not having a penny. And <laughs> we spent, uh, it, we were down for about a week. Wow. And we spent a week restoring it all from backups. And uh, fortunately, our customers were really cool about it because literally we'd transfer hundreds of thousands of pounds a day to, to landlords uh, for wow. the properties. And they all they were all happy to, to wait for the money whilst we uh, restored the system. Wow. So hacking's always been there. It's just it's now in a different form on, on crypto. Yeah. And it's a little more bit more rife because I think people are a little bit more laxy-daisy on the password situation. You yeah. know, the, the passwords were gone are the days when, especially when it's your money, when you have mm. passwords, let me in one. You can't <laughs> you can't have <laughs> passwords like that anymore. Mm. Yeah. No, exactly. And also, like, I mean, just for personally not getting hacked too, like obviously not have things on Wi-Fi, have different computers, different phones um, for different wallets, have cold wallet, hot wallet, like all those like simple things. Absolutely. Um, and, but like the weird thing is this, like I, so I thought I'm above, <laughs> I thought I'm above those. And that's how I got hacked that for a hundred K because, so I just like, I just spent so much time in cybersecurity where I was like, no, like I'm not going to click on anything weird. Um, and then what happened for me was just like, I went, I was just going to buy a land in Decentraland. Um, and then I went and Googled it to get the website. And the website that showed up above the actual website was a phishing um, website. I could not even think about that at all. And I was just kind of just chilling and like not really paying attention. The website obviously looked the same, connected my wallet and two minutes later, completely drained um oh my God. and yeah and so that's that was like super scary but that's the you know so no one no one's above anything that was like my my lesson i was it, like it could have been worse you just got to be so careful but once you're careful once you you know you once you're careful you know it, it is crypto can be one of the most secure places to keep your money and uh i think it's just a case of um having set processes yes and making 100%. sure you you adhere to it yeah and never 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 give away your private key right as a friend did my friend he phoned me up he says i think i've done something really bad he says what's that what's that he says well he says uh i wanted to find out how that money had been moved the crypto and he'd let to cut a long story short he'd he'd moved some um USDT, but he'd moved it onto the wrong network and he'd just not had it set up in his MetaMask. And uh, literally went onto a Solana Discord forum and said, look, I've transferred this. And on the Solana Discord forum, one guy said, I can sort it out for you. Give us your private keys. And he gave him private keys. And he had 40 grand in it. And he literally phoned me up as he'd just done it. And I said, just transfer us the money. Just instantly. I says, but I said, do us a favor, just leave $100 in that wallet, I says, and watch it disappear. And literally transferred the money across straight away. And literally the $100 went. And uh, I said, there you go. I said, uh, that, that's, 
you've lost hundred dollars instead of forty grand, but I said never do that again. And then he, he created a brand new wallet, and then we transferred it back for him. Yeah, no, yeah, that's um, it's crazy. When I got hacked, also that's a problem with getting hacked too. When you talk about it, every like everyone's gonna offer you things like the weirdest things. At some of them are like convincing. Like, uh, I mean, I wasn't convinced with any of them, but like one of them was just telling me like, uh, but I could see how some sometimes people could maybe just like in that, like when they're in pain and like shock, they could just listen to people, right? So they, they're like looking for advice. There was this guy um, on Discord reach out to me. He was like, I have a friend in MetaMask. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. And he's like, yeah, uh, he, can, he can help me. So just, I just need to send him some, uh, some ETH um and then like a small amount um and then and then uh just tell him like what it is and just like connect my wallet to this place i was like yeah sure i'll definitely do those <laughs> like um sounds so legit but uh yeah the problem is like when when you actually get hacked and you talk about it everyone on especially on twitter too you're gonna get like your dm is gonna be like um your, your, yeah it's just like everyone's gonna slide in the dm be like i can help you <laughs> I have the best solution for this. Anyway, what I want to end on is tell us, the, our listeners, how they can uh, get involved with yourself. 100%. Uh, you know, how you can potentially help them on their journey with NFT projects. Yeah, so best thing I, I have is, um, you know, obviously if they want just like one-off um, conversations with me, happy to. Um, happy to do those, but the best thing I have is is a program where um, people come in uh, and they get group calls with me and other other brands where they can learn a lot about um, you know how to just the operational uh, side of things as well when as they're doing the NFT marketing, but also they they learn about like okay like how do you upload your NFTs like which token to use, so on and so forth from other projects because they just come on this mastermind uh, twice a week. Um, and then also, um, you know, I help them with getting um, approval on for NFTs on all social media platforms because they do need it to be able to run ads. Um, and then plus just showing them, you know, that strategy that I, I said um, earlier on, how to get, you know, people, like how they qualify people for, uh, joining your communities, like all your communities at the same time for anywhere from 50 cents to $3. The, I literally have videos of just step-by-step, step, like anyone with a pulse, they can follow it. Like they don't need to have any experience um, in marketing at all. Um, and so that's that's the best thing I have. That's on soldoutnfts.io. Uh, that's S-O-L-D-N-F-T-S.io. So once again, it's soldoutnfts.io. Um, and then on socials, if they want to um, uh, ask me questions or if they want to learn more about some of the things I, I can help them with, um, Arvin K NFT. Thankfully, I got my Twitter back. So Twitter is the place I'm most responsive. That's A-R-V-I-N-K-N-F-T. Um, and that's on all socials, but Twitter is the best place uh, to reach out to me. So we've got a few rapid fire questions. Go for it. To end the podcast with, what advice would you give yourself if you could start again? I would, I would uh, be 
a lot more persistent and work a lot more on emotional resiliency. Just being able to take, not think, take things personally. So an interesting one is that. What's your favorite quote to motivate? There's something I, there's this guy, um, his name is Eric Thomas um, on YouTube. Um, he has this thing where he's just like, he goes, I can, I will, I must. Um, so that's just kind of like a saying that he created. Um, and I, that's, a, that's something that I think about a lot. That's the, I would say that that's probably the one that um, is very influential in my life. And if we could give our audience just one important tip, if there's only one important tip to take away from this podcast, what would it be? For marketing or just general? NFT marketing. Yeah, I would say one important uh, one, uh, one important tip would be stay relevant to the state of the market. Meaning like if, you know, market is like more skeptic, then change your marketing to that. If they're like very happy, very excited, change your marketing to that. Just stay relevant. Awesome. This has been an amazing show. We've covered lots of topics. In fact, I think it's going to be the longest show we've done. Oh, yeah. There's a lots of alpha in this show for uh, people that want to get on that NFT marketing journey. What I always like to say is I like to touch base in like three to six months to see how you're getting on on your journey and get you back on for an update. All that leaves me to say is wish you well with the future in your NFT marketing. And listeners, reach out if you want to accelerate your journey in NFT marketing, which is absolutely key. If you've got an NFT, if you don't market, you might as well not have a shop front. It's a bit like having a shop front boarded up, is what I say, if you have a business. At the end of the day, you need to market. It is absolutely crucial. So what I'd even say is when you're thinking about your NFT project, think about how you're going to market and think about who's going to help you. Sometimes it's not the what, it's more important to find the who. Do not be a jack of all trades and master of none. Find out the experts. This is what this pod, uh, podcast is all about. And it's about connecting people uh, the right people for the right jobs. And I'll end on that. And all it allows me to say is thank you very much. Thank you for having me. We will uh, speak soon. Thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode. As I've gone on my crypto journey myself over the last couple of years, I'm all too aware of the overwhelming amount of information available online when it comes to investing in crypto. So thank you for choosing the Easy Crypto Podcast. It means a lot to me. Hopefully what I've shared today will help you on your investing journey, just like it did me. There's no reason why you can't go and make use of what you've learned today straight away. I'm living proof that these secrets and strategies I've shared with you do work. Please, by all means, feel free to share this with someone else you know who could benefit from it. That's the quickest way that we can build a collaborative community where we can share tricks and strategies which can turn our crypto investments into big profits. In the meantime, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss the latest tricks which could transform your crypto future. Every week we'll be covering a different aspect of crypto investment, so whether it's NFTs, mining or the metaverse, 
you really can't afford to miss out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Christopher Hitchin and this is the Easy Crypto Podcast and I'll see you next time.